Welcome to the 77th edition of the Guna Podcast, recorded on the Wednesday before the Premier League begins with Arsenal's trip to Newcastle. This podcast is sponsored by the website for all your unofficial Arsenal t-shirt needs. Gunashirt.com <laughs> I'm your host, David Udo, returning after a brief hiatus, which has seen Messrs Don Sebastiano and Joe Broadfoot in the chair, and my thanks to them for doing the honours in my absence. This evening we are going to discuss the season ahead, where we feel Arsenal are in terms of readiness and for what's to come. First up on our panel, he's not the man he was a year ago, at least in terms of backing Arsene Wenger. Perhaps the summer break has lightened his mood, we'd find out a little bit soon enough. But for now, it's a warm welcome to Mark Hollington. Hello there, hope you all had a lovely summer. (laughs) Next, someone who last summer was on the other side of the world. But he's forsaken Japan to return to a country where the lung, young people kick in shop windows and set like to furniture stores and electrical warehouse. He's not sort of out returning to the Far East, but no one would blame him. So hello to Joe Broadfoot. Sayonara, baby. Oh, this has got, got mixed up. <laughs> oh, not again, Joe. All the bloody no, times. because of you. You kept going on about Sayonara, but I'll, I'll come back to that later or, or not. <laughs> And finally, a panellist who has overseen a change in the design of the Guna fanzine that is ultimately the reason for this podcast and accompanying website. Still editing the mag over oh, a decade, so it says here, and getting more flack than ever for it. He's left his tin hat at home tonight and he's amongst his friends. It's Kevin Witcher. To all our Japanese listeners, konnichiwa. <laughs> That's the right one. Sorry about that, Japanese listeners. I hope the one of you out there. So here we are, the, the Wednesday afternoon before the season starts this coming Saturday. Um, Manchester United have signed three players for the first team. Uh, first team, Chelsea have signed a few players. But what do you make of Arsenal's activity in the summer transfer window so far? Mark? Do you know what? Before the um, pre-season started, and it was obvious we needed some backup and some defensive reinforcement, the player I most wanted was Carl Jenkinson. I said to myself, if what, what, what we really, really need... <laughs> Is a player that plays for League One, that's played what five or six games in League One, which is a lot of experience. I'd love to have a player that calibre and ability coming to Arsenal Football Club. In all seriousness, listeners, I do but jest. Um, I think up to last week, until we had the young lad, what's it, Oxlade Chamberlain, or whatever he's kind of called for £15 million. Absolutely, who, you know, who potentially, I've never seen the guy play. Obviously, he's highly rated, he could be very good. I don't know. Um, I think I've seen a bit of Javino in the Emirates Cup I watched it on the telly I didn't go myself but he seemed a nifty player those games though are played at half the pace of normal Premiership matches but the jury could potentially be out but I do not understand let's get to the crux matter the defence we have three days to go the defence hasn't changed apart from Cole Jenkinson but we have sold Clichy don't get me wrong I wasn't a fan of Clichy but we've now relying on Kieran Gibbs and Traore so the question is is that when is this defensive cover going to come and I think it's gross negligence of the highest order that we've still got the same back four central defenders that we had last season. I can't say anything much more than that because I'm properly, genuinely gutted that we haven't signed anyone of any decent calibre. And don't we really know what else to say other than I'm not optimistic for the new season. Not because I want to be, you know, some kind of pessimist. I want to be there for the first game, getting excited, getting behind the team, getting a flipping mental. But how can we know when Sebastian Scalacci is still on the club's books? It's very difficult. I'll be quiet now. 
But Joe, um, surely if Manchester, if Tottenham have only signed one player, which by well, the looks of it looks like a reserve goalkeeper, there's not been much going into Chelsea. Um, Manchester City have only signed one genuine first-team player, being Sergio Aguero, and thanks to them for taking Gold Cliche off us, surely our movement in the summer transfer window must be okay. It's not okay to me because, um, as Mark said, we've not really strengthened the defence by bringing in a League One player who couldn't even make the first team at Charlton. It's um, quite disturbing, to, st- uh, to say the least. Um, bringing in Jovino, I have to say, I think it's a good signing, but it's an area that we didn't particularly need to strengthen. But defence certainly was, was the area that everyone, literally everyone said, well, you're going to sign a centre-back, so don't worry about next season. Well, have we signed a centre-back? Well, Carl Jenkinson can play there as well as at right-back. But having seen his displays at right-back, and I've studied this guy, I'm not really, really seeing him as pushing um, Sanya next season, even though he's declared on the official website that he's going to give Sanya a run for his money. I personally haven't seen anything yet to indicate that that's a real possibility. I think the guy's on his heels all the time, and that could be rectified, obviously. It's just, you know, why don't, why don't you get ready for the, for the attacks rather than just standing, standing on your heels? But to be fair to the guy, he can pass the ball, and, um, you know, he's pretty quick. He's pretty quick. So he has got a decent future in the game. Whether that's going to be at Arsenal or not, I don't know. But what I've seen of him so far, I think he's got potential. But potential is is what everyone's getting upset about. We want something now. We want, we want a trophy now after all these, all these seasons of, of nothingness. And Carl Jenkinson is not going to make a difference. Um, just to come back to a point that Mark made about Scalacci, though, I think he's been a little bit overly harsh because, <laughs> because I know everyone says Scalacci is rubbish and I can't say he's done a lot to prove otherwise. But one thing I would say is he does need a bit of time to settle in. He's had a year. If he doesn't start doing it this season, I'll agree with you. Okay. But so far, he's done next to nothing uh, right. But one thing I would like to say, I noticed in the pre-season that people were having a go at Scalacci for, for terrible defending and I was watching every single game and thinking, what did he do wrong? He didn't do an awful lot wrong in the pre-season. So I'm not going to have it any other way. I'm not saying he did a lot right, but he didn't do a lot wrong. And the defence was a shambolic as always, but people were blaming Scalacci for, for the shambles. Did you see the first goal that Boca Juniors scored in the yes. Emirates Cup? And, and who was at fault with that? Who basically let the attacker just walk past them? Oh, was, was it only was that, uh, Scalacci? I believe it was Scalacci. Mm. Well, I thought that was too easy. It's been at mm. fault for most goals <laughs> conceded in our But there's been some goalkeeping errors as well for some goals, and I mean, I've not heard people having to go at Fabian. No, sorry, maybe it was the Benfica game. I'm not. I think there might have been a, there might have been a goal that that he was partially responsible. There was a goal for. in which oh, that, 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 that was the Marlon being a, stitched by Pablo Imar. But then I'm a big fan of of Johan Juru, But to be honest, he's not had a very good preseason. And you know, based on what I've seen, I prefer Johan Juru because he's he's put in some good performances at times. What's but what's but that, compared to Scalacci's preseason, Scalacci hasn't played as much. But in the in the games I've seen, I just thought it's. It's, it's unfair. It's unfair. People were having to go at Scalacci before the ball's kicked in anger. Is he, is he Arsenal class, Joe? Um, not based not, on what he? I've seen. Even no. I'm back to improve it next season. But I think, I think class, give the yeah. guy one more year. But if why? He, if he's not up to it. Man, you were given one more year. Chelsea were given one more year. He'd be out straight away. Well, at least he's, at least he's experienced. <laughs> That's more than Sorry. you can say for most of us. Sorry, Kev, you don't have a comment yet. Uh, Mikhail Silvestre was experienced. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't make him <laughs> any good. Uh, 
he's he's had better days, Scalacci. However, the English game has exposed him for what he is, which is basically uh, having the turning circle of a tank and uh, <laughs> positional ability of uh, a very bad defender. Anyway, but uh, I mean to get back to the general points, the transfer window isn't over. It's very unfortunate that I have left it so late, assuming that at least one central defender will be arriving, and you've got to believe one will. Um, It just indicates to me that um, Arsenal are still doing the same things, which is acting like a small club. You know, when you are a club of Arsenal's size, selling clubs are going to ask a bit more money. They're going to take the P just a little bit. And if you're a big club, you just swallow it and you just pay the money. Or you say, OK, no, we'll, we'll buy somebody else. Um, now, Arsenal have got this fantastic scouting system, we're led to believe. <laughs> so if the money being asked for Cahill uh, and Jagielka and Samba is too much, then you are quickly identify another target and you go after them. But it seems to me that... Uh, a bit like last season, all the eggs in the goalkeeping basket were on Mark Schwarzer and it all turned pear shape. Um, we could face a very similar situation with centre-backs uh, this season and potentially miss out on the... Well, we need two signings, in my opinion. But, you know, miss out totally on even one, the way it's going. So, uh, I, I, I refuse to believe one won't arrive. I mean, one will arrive, but it's a shame that we will be into the season and some pretty big games before they do. So, not very well-conducted business overall. I think we will be discussing Nasri and Fabregas later, but that's tied in with all of this. And you've got to wonder about the approach of the people who are in charge of doing the business for the club. You know, they don't seem to me to be doing a very competent job. Um... Moving away slightly, but we'll, we'll return to those players who have arrived. Um, Jenkinson, Javinho and Oxlade-Chamberlain. Um, I suppose a more important issue at the moment are those players who may leave, because here we are on the 10th of August and there's still far too much paper talk about Nasri or Fabregas. So, Joe, I mean, do you think, or do you know if anyone thinks that either Nasri or Fabregas will still be at Arsenal on September the 1st, or will they bugger off to Manchester City and Barcelona, respectively? It seems, to me, it seems not, not much use keeping these guys. When Fabregas wants to leave, well, I don't want him to leave, but clearly he's not going to play his heart out for the club anymore. He, he, he didn't play that many games last season. So will he be a huge loss? I'd say not a huge loss if we're keeping Nasri, but for some unknown reason we managed to let his contract run down to this point where where he's going to leave next year on a free if we don't let him go now we can get 22 million pounds I'm hearing from Manchester City if we let him go immediately but no suddenly we've sold cliche to Manchester City strengthening their team I would say even though that's a bit debatable I'd say we've strengthened their team and weakened ours and we're not prepared to do the same with Nasri. Nasri's obviously a better player than Clichy, but we're going to get decent money for him. And he's only got a year left on his contract. It's just complete, utter madness. Why sell, why sell to, you know, if in a business sense, they're our competitors. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in a football sense, they're our competitors. In every sense, they are. So why don't we, why don't we just, if we're going to sell, well, that's the policy, sell to Manchester City. We've done it in the past. We've sold Adebayor, Colatore to them. Why not, why not sell uh, Nasri as well? Because... 
we don't seem to be competing for first place in the league. That's, that's what it appears to me to be the case in, at the club. We're looking at third or fourth. That is the ambition. So looking at, if we're looking from a financial perspective, yes, we've got to let Fabregas go. Yes, we've got to let Nasri go. And then we could, we could replace them from players already in the squad, like Arshavin could be played in the right position, for instance. That, that could be a possibility. Not, not as deep players as Fabregas. Players in the right position. Are you having a laugh, Joe? Come he's, on. He's never been a winger, let's be no. honest. Arshavin was never a winger position. until he arrived at Arsenal. No, I agree. It's madness. Well, from a certain point of view, yeah. neither was Andre Arshavin or any other midfield player. I mean, yeah. um, bearing in mind they've both been stitched up terribly in mm. terms of them playing in pre-season friendlies. I mean, Kev, is it, is it fair enough to say that they must be on their way out? I don't think there's any doubt about it. I mean, it's just the, the, the price that's holding things up. Arsenal being very stubborn. And, I mean, in a sense, um, what Bolton and Everton are doing with their centre-backs, which is holding out for the, the big price, is what Arsenal are doing with Fabregas and Nasri. They're trying to squeeze out an extra million or two. Um, well, my main truck with it is that I do think we should have a settled... Uh, team going into the start of the season with no question marks now okay you say Fabregas and Asri going so there's no question mark there but there's a question mark over the replacements you know are we going to buy a, a player um, to compensate or uh, is Jovino supposed to be that person is Aaron Ramsey the one developing we don't know but there's no impression to me that, that things are settled that we really know where we're going to be in terms of a team um, with the first game so close so I would have liked the Fabregas situation to have been given an internal deadline at the end of July and Barcelona to have been informed of this quite you know firmly and, and then say okay well if you haven't bought him by the 1st of August he's staying another year and I mean Fabregas may not like that but he's being paid a damn sight uh, more money than I'm ever going to earn and frankly it's about time he started earning it by performing for the club that's paying his wages so I would like to see Fabregas playing in a Champions League qualifier to make sure we get through the damn thing I'd like to see him playing in the league games to make sure we start off as well as possible and sod the consequences in terms of his value because frankly he's under a long contract uh, Barcelona if they're not going to meet the, the valuation and they've had it all summer to do so can go take a running jump I don't care if Tabregas is dispirited. He'll get over it and play a season's football soon enough because sulking for a year isn't going to do him any favours. Um, so I don't think he, he, he would sulk if that happened. However, Arsenal being Arsenal, they will hang on till August the 31st. They'll sell him for less than they want, him, they want for him, which they could have done <coughs> already, and they won't have time to spend the money in the market to strengthen the squad. Um, Mark, I mean, what, what's, what's your stance? I mean, I think, you know, bearing in mind his, his comments in the first programme last year, he made it clear that he didn't want to talk about the fact that he's been kept at this club forever. Mm. And it, it would appear that he's going to leave. Sami Nasri, any chance of staying? Or has he essentially tried to reopen a path of Emmanuel Adebayor contract re re uh, renegotiation? Totally. And I think the fact that there was reports coming out, I know it's only hearsay, um, about how he had a bust up with Wenger quite recently there's probably some truth to that he probably wants out he's probably sick of the club playing hardball and he wants to go and um, I think what's key to this is that when you look at Fabregas and Nasri probably will be gone looking at Bentner potentially going as well you know that's not necessarily a bad thing it will be 
Abue potentially on his way out too. Who that probably means is we're only going to get one or two people in maximum to replace these and players. Who do you think those players combined are probably looking at what 60, 70 million pounds? So 30 million pounds for Fabregas, 20 million for Nazari, 10 million for Bentner, 5 million for Abue potentially. Yep. That's a lot of money. And are we really going to go out? That means this season, once again, I can guarantee every single podcast listener out there now, if those transfers go through, once again, we would have made a profit in the transfer market. But we're only going to sign one or two more players maximum. I can, I'm pretty confident that, once again, we're going to be in credit rather than in debit. Mm. And I think that is disgusting. What's happened to this so-called £40 million war chest? It doesn't exist. And if it does exist, it's gross negligence on Wenger's part. And it sounds very pessimistic. Mm. We're here at the start of the season. We've got three people on the panel not being very optimistic at all. But I honestly think it's really hard to be. You know, we're going to get comments and complaints about why, where's this pessimism coming from. But how can we not be knowing that once again, we come fourth last year, the only club that can come fourth in a two-horse race, and we're literally we're probably going to be in, in credit in the tra- transfer market. It's disgusting. It's been going on for such a long time as well. I keep hearing about this. It's either thirty-five million or forty million pounds in that war chest that never gets touched. Right, I mean, in fairness, I mean, on paper, you know, the club have uh, sold uh, nobody and they've bought players to the value of, uh, I don't know, £27 million. So technically, you're absolutely correct. Obviously, that will be blown apart when Fabregas and Nasri do go. Um, but at the moment, you know, you, Ivan Gazidis could, could be here and say, well, we spent £27 million and we've got to pay those guys for the next year as well out of this war chest we have. So we're acting responsibly and uh, we spent a lot more than we've received this summer. So the story at the moment, uh, you know, is that we are spending money. However, that could change. That could, could it, it, it will change and the reality is we're spending in the wrong places. That's the worst thing of all. We should have bought two centre-backs before we bought any bloody attacking player. So, Kev, can I ask this? So, the war chest um, is not just about transfer fees. It's also about wages as well. It's the first year of the wages of the guys they buy. And, um, you know, why? I would like to throw this question out there. Why are all our fees, our transfer fees, paid undisclosed? Well, normally it is because there are add-ons. So the exact fee um, is, is not always fixed. However, what they could say is we've paid this much now and there is more to be paid depending on appearances or whatever. Um, however, the one thing about Arsenal's accounts is they like to keep them mysterious. So um, the fortunate thing about this is the other club normally says, oh, we sold him for this, so we bought them for this so the truth gets out it's just Arsenal's accounting is shrouded in mystery uh, and, and frankly a, a lot of potential abuse there frankly but uh, nothing I can ever prove um, interesting that you sort of raised that as um, on Monday when we came out and announced the signing of Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain from uh, Southampton that we were not, diglo- not disclosing the film by uh, the fee by any stretch of the imagination However, by all accounts, someone chief in charge over at Southampton say, uh, said it was something like 12 or 15 million pounds, mm. plus three, th- three million pounds add-on. 12 raising, rising to 15. 
Well, what, what do you think, Joe? Do you make him the, the purchase, purchase of the brand new Theo Walcott, or have we basically thrown a little bit too much money? It sounds to me like we've thrown a little bit too much money at Oxlade Chamberlain, <laughs> but only purely because I haven't seen him in action. But based on the fact that he's now with Southampton, or a lower division club than Theo Walcott was with, that, that Southampton was one tier up at least. And I saw Theo play prior to him joining Arsenal and this guy was good you know at that level I mean obviously faster than anyone else but not only that he scored an amazing goal when I just saw him I didn't know who he was I went what What was that I mean how could how could you score from that angle it was impossible it was absolutely impossible so based on that I thought it was worth 7 million because I've never seen anyone do that never and so this Oxley Chamberlain better be good he better be twice as good as Theo and I, I very much doubt I know, I know there's been a lot of doubters in this room about Theo's <laughs> ability, but the guy scored a hat-trick for England. In my book, he hasn't done too badly in his career, even if he hung up his boots right now. He's not done great, but he's not done badly. And, and I think he's been worth, worth the money we paid, which was seven to nine million undisclosed, as always. Well, Mark, I mean, one of the things that the club have come out with at Arsenal.com is saying quite clearly that he's, this kid, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, is going to form a part of the first-team squad. Um, which grown-up player do you drop? Is it going to be Arshavin? Is it going to be Nazri? Uh, is it going to be Walcott? Is Walcott going to be converted to a centre-forward, which Wenger said for the last four years? What do you reckon? Do you know what? I've got no idea. And, uh, <laughs> and um, how do you pronounce the new Japanese player's name? Joe, you were telling me the right pronunciation earlier on. I'm going to try Rio. It's not Rio. It's Rio. His name Nye- is Nye- Rio. Nye- so, obviously, also, I've also heard that he's now going to be fighting for first team place as well. So, we will be seeing a new Arsenal. I've no doubt about that. Hang on a minute. Just because Oxlade Chamberlain is part of the squad. Theo Walcott was part of the squad for the first six months at the club before he went to the World Cup finals. His, his extended yeah, first team action was a warm up against Birmingham uh, without coming onto the pitch. But don't you think for twelve million pounds there'd be clamours to actually play play the kid? So he will make Conning Cup appearances. He will appear in yeah. the FA Cup. So he's not going to boot anyone out of the first team. No, right. and there will be injuries, won't there, at some point in the season? And he will be given a chance with the, how fragile our squad is. I mean, let's I mean, I've no idea. The it's the short that, answer to that. The injuries that we have. I've got no doubt if we play a couple of league games before Christmas. Right, well, so he's not booting anyone out of the first team. Um, I mean, it seems a hell of a lot of money. However, you know, the jury's out until we actually see the kid play. So, And I haven't been watching Southampton, frankly. Um, it's a gamble, and uh, hopefully it'll pay off, but it is a huge gamble. It's slightly worrying that Arsenal would appear to have gone for three players this summer so far who no one else is interested in, whether we're talking about Javinho, Oxlade Chamberlain or, um, or, or Carl Jenkinson. But hey, that's kind of where we are. Um, on a slightly more comedic note to sort of finish it up. Few. Yeah. Well, do you, do you find it amusing or, or sad that the only grown up professional player at Arsenal who hasn't posed? for any of the singular um, player photographs being Manuel Almunia if he can't find a new club even though he's been offered uh, being offered on a free transfer what are your stance Mark? Do you know what? Surely there must be some form of job for him there whether it's putting out the cones whether it's working <laughs> in the Arsenal world of sport or the, like, the brand new shop 
the guy's been the law servant to the, to the club. This has been the shittiest goalkeeper I've ever had the misfortune to watch in my flipping life. But there must be a role for him somewhere. Let's have him as a new Ganosaurus, the new mascot. We can chuck stuff at his head. He can fire t-shirts and cannon at us. It'll be absolutely brilliant. There's got to be a role for the bloody Spanish waiter. He can, that's it, I've got it now. He can come dressed every home match as Manuel from 40 Towers. He'll have the whole outfit. It can accompany Ganosaurus. It could be hilarious. He can fall over in a comedy way. It'll be absolutely brilliant. Done. I mean, I'm afraid what it indicates is that he's been vastly overpaid because the reason that a club won't take him on is because obviously can't agree um, wages with anybody because he would have to take a significant fall in wages. I don't actually know how long his contract is. I suspect it's a year. <laughs> Worst case scenario, it's two years. But um, unless Arsenal are going to actually pay him to go as West Ham did with Freddie Lundberg uh, he is going to be on Arsenal books until the end of his contract claiming a very nice salary uh, which is way above what he was ever worth but uh, Arsene Wenger made a calamitous error there no excuse for it once the Manchester United game in 2005 had occurred to give that keeper a contract renewal after that was gross negligence we've been paying the price for a long time oh, on the subject of players with, with you know ridiculous salaries um, well one of my favourite players it has to be said is a, a player with essentially his salary on the back of his, his, his shirt being 52 Nicholas Bentner um, what do we think uh, about us keeping him instead of Marouan Chamak anyone Oh, well, basically, at the moment, he is a superior option because Shamak's form is completely gone. Um, even the summer break hasn't uh, improved him. So the only reason I suspect he's still at the club is, is, is Wenger's uh, stubbornness. But if there's a French club interested in taking Shamak, we would be in profit, having got him on a free, and take the money and keep Bentner. I but mean, he started off so promising. And what promising happened, Joe? What happened? Well, this, this is a big mystery. Well, it doesn't matter mm. if it's a mystery. It's a fact that mm. his form went to pot and mm. he's and about... And he's not come back, you are. You know, get rid of... Get rid. And the worst thing is he might be lining up against Udinese. But I'm sure we can discuss that in the next podcast. Okay, doke. Uh, well, um, we now have to take a short break before continuing in our next podcast. But as always, just to mention that if you do want to email us about anything related to the podcast, our address is gunapodcast at gmail.com. So with that, as a usual thanks to our sponsors, gunashirts.com. And it's goodbye from Mark. Goodbye, everyone. For, uh, for, from Joe. Sayonara. And Kevin. You got that right, Joe. And goodbye, listeners. <laughs> We'll be back soon. I'm your host, David Udo, and thank you for listening. La-di-da-di-da, la-di-da-di-dee, all good friends and jolly good company. Well, hey!